Beautifully done, uh, Debbie. <laughs> now, also Janie, amen to that? You know, it does take talent to play the piano, too. And all the brass section up here, boy, thank you, gentlemen. I, I don't know about you, but I sure enjoyed the music this morning. Very inspirational. And that's what we want. We want excellence in our worship here. We want to glorify God in, in our singing. Tonight, we get to come back and have the uh, a choir concert. I think one of the first here at Westside Baptist Church. That's going to be at 5 o'clock tonight. And I don't know about you, but I, I listened to the choir this morning. I said, man, I can't wait till tonight. It's about worshiping and glorifying God, and I encourage you to come be a part of it. And so all the music this morning, what a blessing it was to me. I Think of what Debbie just saying. That's my prayer. Lord, help me to finish well. You know, there's so much of a tendency to be pulled off course. There's a tendency to quit. There's a, a tendency to give up. You all know that you had someone stalking you all week this week. Uh, last week, I preached on Father's Day about Job. And there, in chapter 1 and in chapter 2, it talked about that Satan was perusing around the world. He was going around seeking whom he might devour. You understand that the things that come your ways are challenges. They can be tests. They don't always have to be temptations. I, I look at everything as a trial because God allows these things to come in our, in our, in our way. And, uh, and you understand that uh, the devil is trying to get you to quit. He's trying to give you, get you to not finish well, not to be faithful. Sometimes your choices, my choices, might be about not being faithful to what God wants. Because we made the choice, not letting him make that choice. I tell you what, it's very important to let God make the choice. Because we're going to answer to him someday for what he's asked us to do. And so I just want to encourage on that. And how well did the week go for you? Sometimes when trials come our way or testings come our way, like Job, uh, God said to Job, he says, why do you contend? And, and that really spoke to my heart last week there in that aspect of why are we complaining? Oftentimes we are complaining about things we don't understand. We make our input, our decisions about things we don't understand. And so, you know, that there, there are things that God sh should be speaking to our hearts about as a message goes on. Uh, Monday night, we played another softball game. We won't talk about the score of that one either. I understand we're playing on Tuesday night. I, I wonder if because Monday nights don't work for us, we've changed to Tuesday night this, this, this week. <laughs> I hope it does better. It, it was a better game. We made more than one run this last one. <laughs> We made 15. They made uh, just a lot more. <laughs> it, was, it was definite. We are improving. Mike, we don't have you out there. That must be it. I don't know. Or Bob, we don't have you. Or, or Wayne, I tell you what, if you wore that, sh that shirt out there, on the, on the, I'm sure we would catch them off guard, all right? Uh, but you know, one of the things, and, and as we look at the book of Job, I mean, you can never exhaust, you can never exhaust 
the Scriptures. And I shared with the fellas something that God just just shared with me, even after preaching last uh, Sunday twice. And oftentimes, there are things that you get in the first service and things you might get in the second service and just things of the Scriptures. But I shared with the fellas, I said, you know, uh, as, as many people might think, the things that are happening are for naught. I mean, is there really a purpose for this? What is the purpose? And it might be beyond our comprehension. It might be we will never understand the, the full reason why God allows the things to happen into our lives. But if we could learn the one lesson from Job that I think is probably the most powerful lesson that any of us can learn. And that is that last chapter. And, and we look at that last chapter, and I, and I don't, you know, we, we can get caught up with, yes, man, he got, he got twice as many uh, sheep, and he got twice as many cows, and, and all that, and, and boy, wow, what, and you know, it all came back to him. Let me tell you something, that is not the greatest treasure in the book of Job. The greatest treasure in the book of Job is when he says, he says, I knew about you. Now I know you. And if the trials in our lives and the struggles that we go through in our lives bring us closer to God in our understanding, don't leave that out of the equation. God has something for us to learn, and it's maybe not necessarily about this life. It's about Him and that God is a faithful God. Amen to that. A treasure. And I would hope that we would build that relationship stronger and stronger with Him. It was interesting at the uh, the wedding yesterday that we had. And we were so thankful to be a part. And there was a lot of work. And I can't say enough about how many people participated in Vacation Bible School. And, and people coming and helping with all the things that have been on this week. There's been a lot of work that's been going on. I'm tired uh, and we just starting the summer. Uh, you know we've called off uh, the 4th of July because of uh, we're just tired, you know. I mean, oh, I guess the 4th of July will still happen uh, with or without us. Uh, yeah, we've called off the 4th of July, done with nationalism and all that kind of stuff. No, no, the picnic is called off, all right? Just understand, picnic's called off. The, the property is just not really secure enough for us to have a picnic there. There is so much going on right now that we just didn't want to take away from that and all. And so, and I think those people that do the things around here, many of them have done overtime. And, and so we, we're calling off first time in 37 years that we've done that. But we feel that's a wise move. But anyways, and the, the, the wedding yesterday, the, all the work that went into it and everything and all the help and, and things like that and, and all, one of the greatest blessings... And sometimes you might not realize, because weddings are, are wonderful anyways, because it's the, the proper relationship between a man and a woman. One man and one woman. Amen to that? And I tell you what, anytime we can have weddings today to counter the counterculture that's out there today is very, very important. We thank the Lord for that. And, and we're grateful that, that people bring, come to church and they grow in their understanding of who God is and develop the right kinds of relationships in all but what was so neat about the wedding yesterday is what uh, one of the moms said to me afterwards. As we, we've known River and, and Mary for about a year now, they've been coming to our church. 
And their little boy named Marcus, I think he's about two now, he's had somewhere over 20 surgeries. He's had 10 surgeries just in this six-month period of time of this year. And you think about it, and all that came about in that. And, and, and uh, River lost his job because they had to go up to Portland, to the Dornbecker Hospital, so many times and all. But uh, one of the moms says, she said, you know, God used that tragedy in their son's life to bring River to Jesus Christ. And that's an eternal truth, eternal salvation. And not only there, but now a family that can grow and develop. And you just can't imagine how some of the difficulties... And this world doesn't understand that. This world doesn't see Jesus. This world doesn't see God. They don't uh, haven't come to depend on the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something. The way the things are going in this world, you better depend on God. Number one, for your salvation. But then number two, there's going to be things that are going to happen in this world. You're going to have to find your strength. You're going to want to find your strength in God, not in your human strength. And so this brings us now to our message today, all right? And uh, as I was praying about this message, I really wanted to skip this message. Can I just say this? I really wanted to skip this message. Let's see if it'll come up. When you fast. And, and I got down on my knees on Wednesday and I said, Lord, can I skip this message? And he said, no. I says, why? Because we have something to learn. Now, most of you have fasted before. By the way, did you know that every one of you fast every day? Did you all know that? You fast every day. That's why they call it breakfast. You're breaking the fast. When you eat breakfast, all right? So that's uh, just a little tidbit there. But some of you have fasted for various things. Sometimes what we know about things, what we don't know about things, and that this uh, loss of understanding, sometimes we don't know the value of it, or we devalue it, or we degenerate it into unbiblical activity. Now, this morning's message, I believe we can accomplish three things. Three things. I want to just give this to you so that this maybe is mulling over in your mind as, as I go through this. Because I, I tell you what, I think I've only preached on fasting one other time in 37 years. Maybe another time. I can't remember, Rose. But, but I do know that I preached on this before because we've gone through the Sermon on the Mount another time. But as we don't understand something, we, we don't maybe understand why we do what we do. And so this morning, as we are in chapter 6, which is the middle chapter of the Sermon on the Mount, he said in verse 1, Take heed that you do not your alms or your religion or your righteousness, I should say, your righteousness before men. And he's going to address alms, which then is giving uh, to others, basically, and then he addresses prayer, and then he goes into fasting, and, and then he's going to go in to the, the life that we live. But these first three aspects is basically talking about your righteousness before men. 
And he, he's going to, in this idea of fasting, and I think in all these aspects, is why do we do what we do? And he really is trying to correct the wrong that's taking place in the practice of almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. And if we understand the wrong, then maybe we can understand the right and do it properly. So three things that I think we can get out of this. Number one, that neither alms nor prayer nor fasting will get you into heaven. Right or wrong. You can't get into heaven by what we do. That is works. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And so there are people. And so understand this. There are people who do things in religion to get into heaven. And it will not get you there. Please understand that. People throw in their their two cents into the various aspects of religion, and that's all it's worth is two cents. Number two. So if you are not saved this morning, understand there's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. I am so glad that I understood the choir song uh, when I was 15 years of age. It was for me he died. When I understood that God died for me and I accepted and I put my faith and trust in Jesus, now I'm going to heaven not because of me, but because of Him. You understand that? And right now, you can put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's as simple as that. Nothing else. Nothing else. But number two, if you are born again, don't you hate doing something and it doesn't have the value that you intended it to have? The Bible refers to this as wood, hay, and stubble. So if I could give a message this morning to you as born-again believers, so that it might do away with wood, hay, and stubble, wouldn't that be a good thing? And so sometimes we do things in church or at home or to other people, and it actually becomes wood, hay, and stubble. Now, I don't know about you, but if I go to a, do a fast, I really don't want it to be wood, hay, and stubble, right? Why go through the effort and it has no value? Number three, if I could help you to understand, and this is just going to be a small part of this message, but I'm going to say it right now so that it at least gets you thinking about it. Fasting or prayer or almsgiving will not make you spiritual. Or it will not give strength, if I could say this, it will not give you strength to overcome the flesh. You say, Pastor, I don't understand that. Well, you will when I get to that part of the message, I hope, all right? I want you to ponder that. Because too often we are serving the Lord in the flesh rather than in the Spirit. We have been doing a study on this on Wednesday nights about walking in the Spirit. And it says you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. True spirituality is being Spirit-led. That's what we're dealing with on Wednesday nights. But we will do things because we see other people doing things and think that because other people do things and if we do what other people have, we'll get the same benefit of it. And truly, that might not be the case. So why fast? Why give alms? Why pray? All right. Do you know people in the Bible and probably for us to understand fasting? 
we we look at the Bible examples of this. And truly, it is more in the Old Testament than in the New Testament. All right. We as a born again believer in the New Testament, it is not commanded to fast. However, it says here, when you fast, let's read it there in verse 16. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a, a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their rewards. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head, wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Alright? So we see here that there are benefits. But if we don't understand some of the reasons why we fast and, and all, then we will miss this purpose. All right, let me ask some questions now. Can I ask you to maybe participate in some of the uh, examples of the Bible? When you think of who fasted in the Old Testament, who would you say fasted in the Old Testament? Who's that? David. And what was the situation, uh, Cheryl, when David fasted? It was after the child was born and the child was deathly sick. And David fasted that God would spare the child. What happened to the child? The child died. All right, that's a bit, kind of a tough one to start off with to try to motivate you to fast. All right, other examples. Daniel. Oh, yeah. You remember why Daniel fasted? All right. Uh, David prayed and or Daniel, excuse me, prayed and, and all and he fasted. And primarily there it's in uh, actually in uh, Daniel chapter nine, I believe it was. When Daniel heard, when the prophecy came to Daniel and he heard what was going to happen to Israel, it brought him to fasting. Would it be all right for us to fast for our nation? It really would be. We're having a prayer summit up at uh, the Capitol on Tuesday. And I would encourage you to pray. We had a prayer and fasting day. It was back in April for our country. It was a group of pastors that prayed and fasted for our country. And we believe that there's, there's strength in prayer and fasting. All right. So, yes, Daniel, who else? Prayed and fasted. Yeah, Esther. Remember? And, and that's a good example of when someone asks other people to fast. Oftentimes we'll see the example of, of people uh, fasting uh, because of a burden or uh, a situation in their own or there's a call to the nation. But Esther called Daniel and, and the Jewish people to fast and she was going to go into the king and ask for her life and the life of the Jews. Mordecai. I'm sorry, Daniel. You're going to have to put some of these pieces together. You're going to be more confused when you leave here than when you came in. I'm sorry about that. Thank you, Rose. You keep correcting me. That's all right. All right. We want to make sure we don't get right. Yes, back there. Elijah. Why did he pray and fast? 
It was praying in rain and, and, and all and, and, and the destruction there of Israel. All right. And the, the Mount Carmel experience. Remember the Mount Carmel experience. All right. Anybody? Moses, uh, before he got the law. You will see oftentimes there was prayer and fasting before something uh, uh, took place. And so many of you have caught these, but there's a couple people who prayed and fasted that maybe you would have thought they would have prayed and fasted. These were the heathens. How about Nineveh? Remember Jonah? He says, you're all going to die. And the king of Nineveh said, let's pray and fast. They put on their sackcloths. And they showed here is even a heathen nation then that put on this, this, this aspect and God uh, pro- kept them from the destruction at that time. How about Darius? When he was going to, uh, they placed Daniel in the lion's den and Darius fasted because he didn't want to see things happen. Ezra fasted. Uh, here's a great example. And, and, and this is interesting because uh, they're going back to rebuild the temple. And they had they had told the king that they were going to uh, be able get that God was going to take care of them. Have ever talked about how great God is, but then situations arise and pretty soon you begin to wonder, is God able to take care of us? Is God able really to take us on this journey all the way? He says there was by that canal, I gave order for all of us to fast and to humble ourselves before God. We prayed that He would give us a safe journey and protect us, our children, our goods, as we traveled. For I, listen to this, I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to accompany us and to protect us from the enemy along the way. Is it important For us to trust in the Lord rather than the strength of others. And Ezra saw here how important it was for the testimony of the great God whom he and we serve. He said, after all, we had told the king, our God's hands of protection is on us. All who worship him, but his fierce anger rages against those who abandon him. So we fasted early, prayed that our God would take care of us, and He heard our prayers. So we see this as an example here. And you can imagine, they were, if you read in that passage, they were traveling across very hostile land with a whole bunch of wealth as they were taken to rebuild the temple. And uh, you can imagine how the marauders would like to get a hold of the gold that they had. You read, it's a fascinating uh, chapter there. So God helped them. And so we see this in the Old Testament. And there are other places. So in times of war, they fasted in repentance. In times of danger and courage and wisdom. In times of grief. In times of disaster and ultimate denial uh, of the flesh. And and, uh, for... uh, uh, special revelation and uh, uh, spiritual recuperation. That was Elijah and all. There were three people who fasted for 40 days in the Bible. Did you know that? Three people. Well, we know one of them. Who is that? 
Uh, Y'all know that one. He fasted for uh, 40 days and 40 nights. And then after that fast, what happened? Satan came after him. There's quite a story there, isn't it? Oftentimes when we decide to do what God wants us to do, the old devil has a bullseye on you. And he came after him. Who else fasted for 40 days? All right. 40 days. Moses. John the Baptist fasted, but he didn't, it's not recorded that he fasted for 40 days. But his disciples fasted. And in fact, Jesus was acute. He says, man, your, your disciples pray and fast. Our disciples pray and fast. How come your disciples don't? That type of thing. Or John the Baptist's disciple. There was Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. These are the three that fasted for 40 days. I don't know of any others that fasted for that time. So in the Old Testament, we primarily see the mourning, the spiritual needs, the anxiety. It was actually, it became a very natural uh, that you didn't feel like eating even. Because your heart was being overwhelmed. Uh, Dangers were out there. In the New Testament, as I've already said... Uh, one of the disciples of John came to Jesus and asked him, Why don't your disciples fast like you do, as, as we do, and the Pharisees do? Oh, the Pharisees fasted. You know, have you ever, have you ever had somebody come up and Why don't you act like us? Now, that's what I want to get at this morning. Because acting like us is not always acting like God. All right? We need to be spirit-led. I hope we'll get that and understand because you don't want to go through this. By the way, the, the Lord answered this question. He says, you know, while the, the wedding and the bride is there, you, you, you're going to rejoice and celebrate together. But when the bridegrooms are gone, then the times of fasting can be. So even though it's not uh, commanded, and you only see, I think, one place in the church epistles that's even mentioned. It's not uh, as, as, as much as prayer or some of these other things. But there is these things, and we want to make sure that we don't have an unbiblical or what I'm going to call problematic fasting problematic fasting all right real quick can you put your speed caps on right now problematic fasting would be uh, fasting like the pharisees uh in the old testament they were called once a year on the day of atonement that was the special time of fast but in the new testament excuse me let's see we'll get back to this verse here uh we don't fast because of the day of atonement anymore because the uh, day of atonement has been completed in jesus christ and we don't do things as i've already said for salvation uh romans 4 4 says now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace but of a debt if you are trying to do things to get into heaven or to gain this favor before God. The reward is not grace, but it's a debt. If we understand what grace is, grace is unmerited. In other words, God pours out His goodness to us because we don't deserve it. If we say, hey God, look what I'm doing, we are getting a greater debt. And this in reference to salvation. Can you imagine what you think might be taking you to heaven is actually taking you further away from God? Good Pharisees fasted twice a week. The days they fasted was on Monday and Thursday. Do you know why they fasted on Monday and Thursday? It was the market day. 
And there was a whole lot of people that come into Jerusalem on market day. And they chose those days because there was a lot of people there that could see how spiritual they are. May God help us. People, peers, pressure, punishment. Maybe you uh, people would do it for asceticism. Do we want people to see who we are or do we want people to see who God is? One man said, when reputation becomes more important than character, we become hypocritical. All right, so that is problematic fasting. Number one, praying like the Pharisees. Physical uh, fasting, and there's nothing wrong with physical fasting. Understand this. There are benefits of your body. They tell me about blood pressure, cholesterol, insulin, rebooting your metabolism, immunity, and even help when you're on chemotherapy. So there are benefits of physical fasting. It can even get rid of gallstones. Amen to that. And there are things that we do to keep our body in subjection and all. And they say when you fast, uh, especially for any length of time, uh, to drink. So sometimes we will fast for physical reasons. And the Bible says that bodily exercise profiteth little. All right? But there is profit there. And just like while we exercise, keep our body under in subjection, sometimes the... Uh, uh, the 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 fasting can be more than just food. It uh, it could be coffee. Oh dear, we won't go there. All right. It, it could be television. It could be iPhones or things like that. That maybe we have to wean ourselves off of some of these things and all. But again, these are disciplines, and I want you to understand this. These are disciplines of the body, and there's good things to have disciplines in the body, but I understand that there's not spiritual strength. But Paul says this, I keep my body under. In other words, I'm going to keep it into subjection. I'm not going to let my body just do what it wants to do. Sometimes it's hard not to eat ice cream. Would you not agree with me? Chocolate. And you know, oftentimes we don't realize what is really controlling our bodies. And so Paul's saying, I, I'm going to keep my body. I'm not going to let my body rule me. He says, unless by any means when I preach to others, I myself is going to be a castaway or worthless. So physically, physical fasting can bring disciplines. Diets, denying yourself. In fact, the, the Bible says about uh, denying yourself. Take up your cross, deny yourself, and take up your cross. You see, there is a warfare that is going on between the flesh and the spirit inside of us. We have to recognize that. But the strength is not in the diet. The strength is not in the fasting. The strength is in the spirit's control of your life. Please understand the difference. In uh, interesting passage here, there is a question about the textual 
uh, integrity of, of a little bit of this, but defraud you not one another except it be with consent. This is talking about a husband and wife relationship that you may give yourself to fasting and to prayer, taking the time to, 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 uh, to come before the Lord and come together again that Satan tempts you not for your inconsistency. So we do see that there is some strength here in having our relationship on God during times of temptations and struggles. Alright, so try to sort out the difference between these two things. Then, then here, so that I can bring this to, to, to help us understand that, that uh, it's not going to be the fasting, it's not going to be the, the, the prayer, those things that's going to give you the spiritual strength. The Spirit gives you the strength. It's what God has put into you that gives you the strength to outlive or to live out your Christianity. Now notice this passage, and I think this will bring this idea uh, 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 together. You have died with Christ. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have died with Christ. You are a new creation. And He has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. You are not going to live your Christian life with the things in this world. And there are many religions and most religions and all, in fact, all religions that I know of, apart from Christianity, are trying to control people through physical aspects of things rather than the internal strength that they have from the Spirit of God. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world such as, and, and you've heard of people putting in these rules, well, do this, don't do that. And that's what he says in verse 20, don't handle, don't taste. Don't touch. By the way, where did you learn those rules? When you were a child. That's right, Renee. When you were a child, your parents says, don't handle, don't taste, don't touch, don't put that in your mouth. But today, there's something inside of you that says, you know, if I drink strychnine poisoning, that's not going to be good for me. And I know. And I know. Verse 22 says, Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise. In other words, to all of us, man, if I go on a diet and I do all these things, it can seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily disciplines. I like, I like that word, uh, severe bodily disciplines. When I work out, I, I think of it severe bodily discipline. If I fast and miss one meal, severe, oh, how horrible things are. But they, pro- listen to this, they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. You know why? Because you will not conquer the flesh by external things. The way you conquer the uh, the flesh is by the power of the Spirit inside of you. And if you're born again, God has put that in you. Amen? So that's an interesting passage of Scripture. I hope we can understand that. So that was uh, problematic uh, fasting number two is when we think that, well, if I, I do this, then uh, uh, I'll, I'll be stronger. Then let's go into programmed fasting, program fasting. In other words, it becomes mechanical. And anything we do that becomes mechanical, it's just for the sake of doing or the church asked me to do it. If we don't have love in what we're doing, as 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 
13, 3 says, If I give everything and I have uh, to the poor and even sacrifice my body, I uh, could boast about it. But if I don't love others, I would have gained nothing. Going through the motions. I beg God that I would not go through the motions as a pastor. Our Christianity needs to be real. Coming to church needs to be real. This morning in Bible Pathways, I was, I was reading. And uh, uh, it says, people today live complicated lives. Many of us are up before dawn to get ready for work, put in a full day, then move on to organize evening activities. In between all this, we try to find time to catch up on the latest news and watch our favorite TV shows. God is regulated to a two-hour window of time on Sunday mornings with the occasional five-minute panicked, excuse me, help me prayer thrown in when we are feeling overwhelmed. This is not at all what God expects from us. By Him, therefore, the Bible says, let us offer the sacrifice of God, uh, of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. You know, when we're just like robots in our Christianity, and it's not vibrant, and it's not fresh, and we just sing the songs over and over again, that's dead Christianity. That's not what pleases God. God wants us to praise Him. God wants us to serve Him with all of our heart. Amen to that? Psalm 67, what I read this morning in my devotions. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase, God. Our own God shall bless us. God shall bless us. And all the ends of the earth shall fear Him. May we come to the place where we exalt Him all the time, rejoicing and praying and giving Him the glory. Some religions have times where they will have scheduled fast or days of Lent. Have you ever heard of Lent? I remember one guy told me, he says, you know what, I'm going to give up for Lent. I says, what's that? He says, I'm going to give up mayonnaise. I says, oh, that's really going to impress the Lord. (laughs) Or we're not going to eat fish on Friday. You see, in people's minds, even though that sometimes there's the wisdom in things that we do or don't do, but sometimes people take it further than it should be and think that this is going to impress God because I've sacrificed in this way. Do you think we could ever impress God? God knows our hearts, by the way, and there in Bible Pathways, it says we must always praise Him sincerely from love in our hearts, never in an attempt to get on His good side. Ah, penny, penny fasting. Catch this. I think we're all guilty of this. You don't have to be a part of a religion that practices work, but you can be, a, uh, be guilty of this. God, if you just saw what I did, now, now bless me. Right? 
How many times do we barter with God? I call it slot machine Christianity. Putting the penny in and watching the rewards come out. Do you think God wants us to worship Him for the rewards? Catch this. Remember this as I go into this uh, part next week as well. We hear stories of things that have taken place in the past and we think we can reduplicate those things. I remember uh, uh, years ago we had a tent crusade. And I'm telling you what, we, we, it was the first meeting at Westside Baptist Church that we've ever extended a revival services from one week to two weeks because we were seeing people saved and hearts changed. The next year, we were so excited about this. We put greater organization into it. We got more things involved. It flopped. It flopped. May God help us. May God help us. Penny fasting. Penny fasting. Barter with God. God, I am going to give up food. Will you please give me that BMW? (laughs) This would be an example of the prophets on Mount Carmel. Remember? Oh, send fire down. They jumped up and down on the wood. They cut themselves. They shouted. Their God was not impressed. We try to manufacture blessings. May we not be seen of men nor try to impress God in what we do. And then, if I can bring this prominent fasting here, the last of, of, of this. Prominent fasting, again, they fasted on Mondays, the Pharisees did on Mondays and Thursdays to draw attention. And the Bible says here in the scriptures, don't draw attention to yourself. It's interesting as he as he says here, he says, anoint thine head. This is this would be a a good Brillo cream uh, commercial. Because that's what he's saying. He's saying, put oil on your head, slick it down, come out looking like you're going to church or something like that. You see what I'm saying? That's what it means there. Don't come out and say, oh, look at me. Oh, I've had such a rough life. Oh, oh my, 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 my. Well, we don't have time, but if I could just conclude with this, that is the purpose for fasting. All right. We've already talked about it. You've seen the examples of it. It's private. It's personal. It's prescribed by the Holy Spirit in your life. The Spirit is directing you. Uh, It's pursuing God in wisdom and it's praising the Lord in all those things. May we be Spirit-led in our lives and not get into the problematic fasting. And let me just say this. Uh, One of the last things that uh, Bible Pathways had... It says we should praise God simply because he is God. We should praise him and attempt to draw closer to him. You get it? I would fast because I want to draw closer to him, not that I want to get things from him. Most importantly, we should praise him because we cannot imagine not praising him. We should be such, it should be such, uh, he should be such an integral part of our lives that praising him should come as natural to us as breathing and should be just as difficult not to do it. May God help us in our hearts to praise the Lord and to serve him with our hearts, not with our externals. Father, I pray that you will just work. Now, as we talk about problematic fasting and 
Um, an area that I didn't get to, Father, is too often we might resort to some of these things when in reality you want us to have action in our lives. And truly, there are times when we've all fasted because you've burdened our heart so heavily, maybe because of our nation or because of a situation we've asked others to fast with us. And as we join hands in prayer and fasting for various things, we know you're a God who hears and answers our prayer. But Lord, we do not want to do it because to appear spiritual. We do it because we are broken inside of our souls. Or there's time that it's more, more blessed to praise and to worship than our necessary food. Thank you for that. Now this morning, as we conclude with an invitation, there were three things that I wanted you to get from this morning's message. Number one, anything that we do in our religion will not get us to heaven. Number one, do you know you're going to spend eternity in heaven? How are you going to get to heaven? By fasting? No. By praying? No. By almsgiving? No but by accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. Put your faith in Him and Him only. Why don't you do that right now? Number two. Would you say that there's some wood, hay, and stubble? Because we have problematic aspects of what we do or why we do what we do. To be seen of men. Well, I better do this or else people will will think uh, poorly of me? Or do we do it because we love God? Can I just challenge you, congregation? I don't want to go through the motions, and I don't want to discipline my body for naught. There is some good sense of having some good discipline and character. There are physical benefits of that, of denying your flesh. There's a strength there. That's true. But my friends, if we're trying to do things in our own strength to please God, we will fail and it will be wood, hay, and stubble. So, do you love the Lord? Do you do it because you love the Lord? Is your love growing? If you were to examine your life today compared to when you first got saved, is your love stronger today than when you first got saved? And then number three. Number three, and I've already alluded to it a little bit. You're not going to gain spiritual strength by doing external things. You'll find the strength comes from within. The strength of the Holy Spirit enabling us. It's called dynamite. The power of God resting in your soul because the Holy Spirit lives within and He can guide your life and He can give you the strength to accomplish how many times have I said, I just can't do this? And God says, good, because I can do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. We've got to sort out that religiosity that we put into our lives that we're trying to walk by the flesh rather than walking by the Spirit. And we've spent almost a year on Wednesday nights talking about spiritual warfare and walking in the Spirit and being Spirit-led in the mind of Christ. I would hope, my friends, that we are gaining greater insight into this and to shedding off that which is inept 
and putting that truth of putting on Christ to walk in the position that He has given to us and the power He has given to us in Christ. So, Father, as we bring this invitation now, you work in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing, I love you, Lord. I think that's a fitting song. Would you not agree? Truly, I want us to come away and understand it's not a religion. It is a relationship. And the stronger your relationship is with Jesus Christ, and the more you love Him, the stronger your walk will be. When I fail, it's because I love myself more than I love God. And I put myself in there. Growing up in the background that I have, I'm going to tell you something. I needed today's message more than you did. Because sometimes in our religion as we grew up in, we had to do this and do that. And God was going to reward you or God was going to spank you. But we come to that place where we serve Him because we love Him. Then as Debbie sang this morning, may the Lord find us faithful. You'll be faithful because you love Him. You're not faithful. I am not faithful when we love ourselves. Right or wrong? Let's be honest with ourselves. The God who sees you in secret will reward you openly. We have a great God. Let's stand together. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, O my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you Maybe some of you might remember when we started this little series in in Matthew chapter 6. It was talking about genuine worship. And the Lord is trying to correct the problem with giving alms and praying and fasting not for God's glory. Amen. Did you get it? Do we got it? Let's go home with it and practice it. I didn't discourage anyone. I hope I have encouraged you. And uh, tonight we get to come back and I'm going to tell you something. I'm looking forward to hearing our choir sing. You come back and bring someone with you. Say, hey, our choir's putting on a concert tonight. You come back. And then Tuesday, the, 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 uh, the prayer thing, you can sign up on the back. The quilting ministry also is on Tuesday. The game on Tuesday. A lot going on Tuesday. Ah. Church work day. Uh, we're going to have a light breakfast, so uh, that's going to start at eight o'clock, eight up till nine. So you can show up anywhere from eight to nine and still probably get something to eat. All right. When you finish work uh, eating, you can go to work. All right. So that'll be on uh, Saturday. And again, uh, understand that the Fourth of July picnic has been canceled, and then camp is just two weeks away. So make sure you're registered. Your kids, your grandkids are registered, and you're signed up to work. And today we celebrate fifty. Anniversary of Chuck and Barb Leiter. Amen. Any questions or thoughts, please visit. There's some wonderful Sunday schools. You are dismissed.